listener, and welcome to another episode of We Read It One Night, the podcast where two sisters invite you to join the romance revolution by chatting about the books that made us want to stay up all night reading. Today, we're discussing the book that reeled us back into romance, The Viscount Who Loved Me by Julia Quinn. Listen to corgis, enemies to lovers, and a discussion about the metaphorical frying pan of love all in the second book in the wildly popular Bridgerton series. Enjoy the show! Okay, so, listener, um, you've probably heard of the movie Encanto, which (laughs) came out on Disney Plus recently. And you've also probably heard a lot of people using, like, two specific songs from it on like TikTok and Reels and social media in general. One of them is a song that has been promoted as like the eldest sister anthem. And it's it's the one by the super strong sister in Encanto because they all have magic powers. She's super strong and she's like singing about how she has all this pressure from her family. And she's like, pressure like a drip, 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 and it never stops that one. Um. So I was all ready to like accept the plight of the older sister. And listen, I I do respect the plight of older sisters everywhere. And I was ready to be like, okay, fine. It's the older sister anthem. Until I learned that Louisa, who sings that song, is the fucking middle child. And if that ain't the middle child experience, having like our experience and our struggles co-opted by the other sibling orders like i don't know what is like uh, of course of course the oldest sisters are walking around stealing the middle child song no justice however can let me just say that lin-manuel miranda has literally said that quote luisa's song in encanto is a love letter and apology to his older sister who grew up bearing burdens he never experienced. Okay, here's my thing. Here's it's my literally thing. about his older sister. Here's my thing, though. One, I technically still am an older sister, okay? Yeah, sure. As sure. a middle well, so, child. So is, and so is Louisa. But two, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a man. He doesn't get, like, okay, it's a love letter and apology, but, like, man, She's the middle child. Why not give that song to the oldest sister then? <laughs> Why yeah, are you giving it to the middle child? <laughs> I, yeah, it's unclear because there's like no clear reason for the older sister to be. You haven't you haven't even seen the movie. Is what I've I'm saying. seen enough of spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know why they made her the oldest sister. It's not really. It, I don't think it, it's not really plot relevant like at all. But I'm just saying like that's the middle child experience. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is what? The youngest child? So he's co-opting the middle child experience and putting it on to the oldest? Like, also a young – what a younger it, child thing to do. It would have overall made a lot more sense to switch them just because, like, the main character has the most beef with the oldest sister. And I feel like it would be more likely if they were, like, closest in age, you know? And then we have, like, uh, Louisa being the oldest. I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm steamed. I'm steamed. <laughs> I mean, they're not promoting it as that. That's just like people like identified with it. 
You know, it's yeah, not like and I'm saying that's fucked. I'm saying that that's I'm saying that's the middle. Like I understand people identify with it. And listen, I, I love and respect people identifying with it. I'm just saying once again, middle children are getting the short end of the stick. We never we never <laughs> never w- name a song written about the middle child experience. Name a name a main character. Name a main character that has to deal with a middle child experience in Kevin. movies. In movie, Kevin is the Kevin youngest. McAllister. Kevin well, McAllister, not of the cousins, the, not of the cousins, and that's the relevant group there. The youngest child in his family unit. Kevin McAllister is the youngest child. Name a movie that stars the name a story about the middle child. Isn't that I can't remember what it's called, but that show on the Disney Channel where there's like the baby. Pretty sure she's not the oldest. Good luck, Charlie. Maybe. I have no She's idea. the oldest girl. She only has an older brother. Sure. So still the oldest. Okay, but still, middle child. Here's my thing. I did a whole psychology project on birth order, <laughs> Rachel. Gender matters. I know. I'm just saying. You're saying there's no middle child representation. Well, the, the that show was about fucking Charlie. Guess who's, who Charlie is? The youngest child. It's good luck, Charlie. <laughs> The it's premise because, of the show. Because, no, the premise is her writing like letters. Or, I, I've never really seen it, but it's like letters or something. It's like talking to Charlie. Yeah. About, about the youngest her. child. No, about like advice or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just saying <laughs> justice for middle children everywhere. <laughs> okay. My movie pop culture plea for this episode, and this is going to involve spoilers for the Spider-Man uh, – I forget what it's called. The, the recent no Spider-Man. Way home. Spider-Man no way movie. home in theaters. So if you have not seen that and are going to maybe like skip two minutes, but so the ending of that involves hit everyone losing their memory that Peter Parker ever existed, and that includes his girlfriend. And honestly, I wasn't that into like the romance element of that movie until the very end, when it ends with him like coming back and trying to talk to her, and she doesn't recognize him, and him like you know he has this like whole speech prepared, but like he doesn't end up giving it because he's like uh, I'm gonna have to like start from scratch, and that just made me realize how much I want to read a romance novel with a one sided magical memory erasure premise. The one sidedness and the I don't know what the one side is. The memory, the magic element is critical, but I also have many other detailed criteria. It needs to be from the perspective of the person who remembers. It needs to – that's something that – that's something negotiable. Like it could be like both perspectives. And it has to be that everyone else has forgotten them too, not just the love interest because otherwise it would be too easy. They could have someone else prove their identity otherwise. You know what I mean? See my point below, which is that like they want them to remember. Like they're trying to get them to remember. And Uh like what I'm I'm thinking actually is like it's kind of like an Addie LaRue but like where she actually has a chance, you know? Like it's uh-huh. not like they keep forgetting her. It's like they forgot her once, and she's like trying. And it can be it can yeah. be either the hero or the heroine that does the forgetting. Whereas, well, there's definitely that not the one. So we got recommended one of those on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But a better an, an example, and I haven't read that, so I don't know. It's like the Crave series by someone. It's like Twilight fan fiction. Ha ha ha! Twilight. We just did Twilight episodes. <laughs> I'm gonna read that. I'm glad they suggested that, but I don't think it's from the person who forgot who who remembers perspective, yeah. right? It's only from the yeah, but that's Maybe. okay. Yeah, I'm but there's the other one in which there's like they're like angels and the girl, but it's from the perspective of the girl and like spoiler alert, like I forget what it's called, but like in the fourth book, it's revealed that like at one point she was married to Satan. <laughs> like <laughs> that's what I thought. Crave was angel for a sec. Yeah. No, but it's like that one, but that one's also yeah. from like the whole premise is that like every time she remembers her boyfriend, like yeah, she dies. Yeah, and this is making me excited to watch the i guess fourth 
Spider-Man movie. I, this is the only Spider-Man movie I've seen since the Tobey Maguire days, FYI. Um, so I'm excited <laughs> to see it. But because it's an action movie and, you know, it's about teenagers, like it's – I just don't trust that they'll be able to like do it as well as I would want. So like I, I would well, also – Well, it's not like about teenagers anymore. It's about he's going to be in college at sure. the very least. I'm guessing there's going to be a time jump. Sure, but you're still a teenager at that point. But yeah, whatever. It's I get the teenager thing is not as critical as the fact that it's an action movie and this is not the focus of the movie. But yeah, yeah. thank but you. But I feel Please like Spider Man Spider Man movies always have had a heavier romance element than other superhero movies. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying like the tropes are not as strong. It's the same way as like yeah. we're watching. We watched John no, Wick two yesterday, and if that was a romance, he would definitely be getting with Ruby Rose who is either deaf or mute and only does sign language, like that character, and or the sister of the mafia guy. However, both of them just die instead. <laughs> so. always, the hot lady always dies in John Wick. Multiple hot the ladies die. The love story in John Wick is between John Wick and his dog. Yeah, I know. That's I know. Love I know. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like that's the way action movies treat it. And honestly, I like the John Wick approach a lot better than like the James Bond approach where the hot women just exist for him to like fuck them it's and fun. then they die. Like I, I that doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Um, that but That's yeah. what turned me off. Everybody – and I realize that this may may get me some angry emails. Um, but uh, I tried to watch The Witcher. You know that series on Netflix? Mm-hmm. It has Henry yeah. Cavill. Like, admittedly, everyone in that show is super hot. Like, I understand why people like it. And it's big in the romance community, at least in the Facebook groups that I am a part of. But I started watching the first episode – and he literally meets this woman who's like this badass woman and they like, I don't know, fight some town pe- townspeople together and then like they're like hanging out in the forest. Mm-hmm. They fuck and then not five screen minutes later, she dies. She gets killed. Yeah. And I just I mean I was like I didn't even finish the episode and I you know what there is a small possibility that that character somehow comes back to life because I definitely saw a post like talking about her in a way that implied that she was a bigger character than just like random badass woman Henry Cavill fucks before she dies but yeah I was just like I don't I don't understand like I can't get past this <laughs> like, yeah. I no like I yeah. really just don't like that the first twenty minutes of this show was Henry Havel fucking someone and then she immediately a really cool character too I was excited about her character she seemed like she was super cool and then she just fucking died yeah and I understand like you pointed this out like action movies I guess have their own tropes the same way you know like romance books do this is that's just one I could do without (laughs) yeah I would recommend the Spider-Man one though the plot it had more of a followable plot than like most action movies I've seen speaking of pop culture Bridgerton Mm-hmm. We're going to do The Viscount Who Loved Me by Julia Quinn today, which is the second book in the Bridgerton series, which if you have been living under a rock, was adapted. The first book was adapted by Netflix, and the second season, which is based on this book, is coming out at the end of March. But it's delightful, and so we're doing this book. So the last three weeks, we talked about Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, which as Rachel and I talked about in part one of that, that was sort of like our entry into romance and this book was our re-entry into romance i'm gonna give a big shout out to elodie from my book club for choosing this book for (laughs) our discussion of march 2020 it was the first week of lockdown i was working from home it was a tuesday actually it was a monday night and i borrowed my roommate who was also in my book club borrowed her copy of this book and i stayed up until like three in the morning and then like every (laughs) spare minute during the workday. I read this book. 
I promise I actually did work that day. If anyone like that I work with <laughs> is listening to this, but like during my lunch break, like I binged it. And then I binged it like the rest of the series, one book a day. And then like I came home later that week and I was like reading it to like spend quarantine at, at our mom's house. And Rachel was like, why are you always like reading? Like, what are you reading? What are you doing? And I was like, don't fucking talk to me right now. I'm hanging out with the British family. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, you know read 150 books in a year but this was the first one this was my starting gateway. in march starting in march that's starting in, yeah detail. starting in, <laughs> in march 2020 yeah. <laughs> like literally probably like a book a day for at least like six months and then i started to slow down and like mm-hmm. actually reading them which like i still like 2021 me is like i don't know how you read like physically read that many books because yeah like, audio, audiobooks for the win baby but 2020 year that was the first year since like sixth grade when I could just like mainline like with my eyes books and I'm pretty sure I gave myself carpal tunnel from like holding my phone in like one specific position at night like while lying in bed until like three in the morning I still don't know how you've never had the experience of dropping your phone on your face I don't hold it above my face it's uncomfortable no 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 it's not that you hold it directly above your face it's that when you drop it the phone has a magnetic attraction to your face and it tilts forward and flies forward and hits you in the face I here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't look at my phone while lying on my back. That's how I got carpal tunnel because I was on my side. I lay on my side. I don't like laying on my back. You never like sit up with like a pillow. Yeah, but it's below my face. Right. Like, but then you slide down and you slide down enough and the phone senses weakness and the magnetic no. pull is strong enough and it just happens. I don't know what to tell no, you. By the time I, <laughs> if I'm getting that low, I'm turning on my side. I I, I just you. yeah I don't know what that experience is that it's inc- that sounds incredibly that either like directly above my face or like even just like you resting on my chest so that yeah. it could fall like either of those sound very uncomfortable ways to read something on my phone I don't like that at all so I no I don't you. have that problem sorry <laughs> it's necessary to play cup pong on game pigeon <laughs> no I play that on the table maybe that's why you lose oh, on the table I know but sometimes desperate times okay the Viscount Who Loved Me by Julia Quinn. Second book in the Bridgerton series about Anthony, the eldest Bridgerton brother, and his enemy to lover, Kate Sheffield, who in the show is going to be named Kate Sharma. Woo. Yep. Woohoo. So this book starts out with a little wait, flashback. Wait, wait. What? Sorry, first I want to talk about the cover. <laughs> okay. So almost all iterations of this book cover have some kind of sword on them. There's like five, like there's so many fucking different versions of this book cover, but they all have some sort of like saber, like a, like a, you know, like a old timey times, like mm-hmm. dueling sword. Mm-hmm. And never once is there a sword fight. It's a good point. Like who, who is the cover designer for, or designers, because there's multiple, probably multiple for this book. I just want to talk. I yeah. want to know this bait and switch. There's not a single sword. There's not even a duel. The duel yeah. was in the last book. Anyway, I'm I'm a little salty <laughs> about the lack of sword fighting. Yeah. However, I do thank this book for teaching me how to pronounce the word Viscount because <laughs> definitely Viscount. did not know that before. Yeah. So this book starts out with a little flashback. A prologue. A prologue, if you will, to the good old times when Edmund Bridgerton, a.k.a. Anthony's dad, was still alive. And he was a great dad because he would hang out with his kids. There there was Edmund, as you'll find out shortly. He's fucking dead. And then Violet's the mom, and they have eight kids, and they're all named in alphabetical order. So Anthony is the oldest, and the next is Benedict, and then it's, you know, Colin, Daphne, Eloise, Francesca, Gregory, Hyacinth. 
Mm-hmm. And they're all there's like a 20 year age gap between like Anthony and Hyacinth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're super in love, TM. And Edmund was just such a great dad because he would take his babies hiking and not invite his wife for some reason. Um, she was never allowed to come hiking. But she, she <laughs> might okay. freckle, Rachel. I guess it's like one on one daddy bonding time. So Anthony's the oldest. So he got the most hiking time with dad. And then when his <laughs> brothers were born, they got to come and presumably Daphne. And in Anthony's eyes, unsurprisingly, his dad is like the best guy ever. And he just aspires to nothing more than to be just like him. He it's also kind of rude that so Anthony gets like his dad's watch or something that he got from his granddad. That just always makes me think about how rude it is. I mean, I guess it's unavoidable, but like a family heirloom that only one kid can have. I don't know. It just feels it's like primogeniture. Mean. He literally the whole title, yeah, the whole structure I know. of the British That's, aristocracy that makes it even is worse. family heirloom. Only one kid can inherit. Sure, but then why not have like multiple heirlooms and like each kid gets something? Like how hard you're fucking rich. You could have multiple watches or like a watch and like a tiara. I don't know. Whatever. It just seems un- it just seems extra. It just seems like the the crown on top of the primogeniture shit well, show. Well, eventually, here's the here's the problem with that. You can't have an heirloom because, like, okay, say there are eight watches, so each Bridgerton sibling gets one. But then mm-hmm. Anthony, at the end, ends up having four kids. He only has one watch. You what, is he going to go fist. to his other siblings? You double like, fist, obviously. What? Yeah, that's a good point. You would need, like, almost infinitely many yeah. for, like, all the – yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> then just, like, okay. don't do that. Okay. Anyway. Anthony is a, loves his dad. He's such a dramatic hoe about his relationship with his dad, but it's still very <laughs> cute, just, like, how, like – much he loves his dad and like mm-hmm. how much he looks up to him but then unfortunately when edmund is 38 years old and anthony is just 18 edmund dies from a bee sting <laughs> oh my god it's not funny <sighs> anaphylactic shock is not funny bee allergies are not funny but i just remember the first time i i read this book and i was like a a beast <laughs> i know i was like just like cheese Louis. And it's just like the way he finds out. It's like Anthony's 18 and he just got back from Eaton or whatever. And he's like just walking around like wondering where everyone is. And then he like happens upon his sister, oldest sister Daphne, like just sobbing. And she's like, dad's dead. And he was like, what? How? And she's like, it was a bee. <laughs> like, okay. He's like, well, like- to be fair, Anthony is like, um, no, a fucking bee cannot kill yeah. a grown ass man. What are you talking they about? They all say that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's which, just like absurd. Which is- absolutely bonkers to me like i understand that this is like historically correct but it's absolutely bonkers to me that there was a time when like people didn't understand allergies <laughs> yeah i mean well the whole thing of like you don't usually get the allergy until the second sting is very counterintuitive yeah, I know. like i would never have thought that although i mean when you think about it, it makes sense but like no, it but would be like kind of baffling general, yeah i feel like people didn't understand like people if people were like lactose intolerant i feel like they didn't really understand that right yeah like even like um like spring allergies like if you have like seasonal allergies like they call that hay fever they thought you were just like the hay made they your still nose call itchy. it hay fever sure well, it I does know, like they it does make your it nose wasn't itchy. allergies you know what I mean it wasn't it yeah. wasn't like recognized as like an allergy until I mean much, that makes sense later. I very like, recently looked this up but it's just like bonkers to me <laughs> yeah no it is and that I mean but like what would what would knowing about it do I guess you avoid it but like you can't do anything to fix it I mean I, I assume they would figure out food allergies pretty quickly like. If you don't, or your well, kid just dies. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you have severe enough allergy, like your mm-hmm. your kid just is just gonna die. Yeah, isn't it pretty common for the first time to not be that severe though? Or maybe it's just that it can be like super severe whenever, like out of nowhere. This brings me to the question of how long you can actually sur- survive while in anaphylaxis, because 
Edmund seems to have died in literal minutes. And that just brings me back to Blackstone Dragon's heir when <laughs> Catherine eats the strawberry vinaigrette and then literally passes out. Like she is anaphylaxis is so severe that she can't breathe and therefore she passes out. And yet somehow he still has time to get her to the hospital. You can only survive, what, like five, six minutes without breathing? Like how does she – I don't know. Whatever. All right. The difference being is that dragons exist in Blackstone Dragon, so anything is possible. <laughs> Edmund's dead. Can we emphasize that – Poor Eloise, which is one of the younger sisters, witnessed it. Who's like eight. She's like eight at the She's time. She's eight. And I just – and Anthony still has the gall to be like, I'm the only one really affected by my dad's death. He's like, not the only one very affected. He just thinks he's, he's the affected, most affected in affected. a different way. Okay. okay let's you know talk who's about affected this. in a different way? It's Eloise. <laughs> yeah. Eloise absolutely needs therapy. Justice for Eloise. However – a, Anthony now has to take on, because it's primogeniture, he has to essentially become a surrogate father to his siblings. And in some ways, I mean, this is going to sound super creepy, this phrasing of it, but I can't think of a better way. A surrogate husband to his mom, because he has to take on the role of the Viscount. He surrogate has, head of he household. He inherits everything. So he has to take now take care of his entire family at the age of 18. So not only has he lost his dad, but he now has to assume this immense responsibility while he's still essentially a child. Yeah. Two, I I would like to emphasize the idea, like Anthony in, internalized, you know, he, it, it says in the prologue that he has like, oh, and he like by the time he was like five years old, he was like, yeah, my relationship with my dad is like better because like we've had a longer relationship, which is yeah, theoretically like true. Like no one's ever going to, none of the other kids are going to know Edmund longer than Anthony. But there's beliefs that you internalize as a kid and they just, they're not that like, they never really get in the way of much stuff. So like they don't, like there's no reason for you to question them or interrogate them later on. Like in a much less severe way, it was like when, when, you know, one of my best friends growing up had, her family had a boat that they like took out on the (laughs) Delaware River. And um, I was like, mom, why can't we get a boat? And mom was like, well, because like she goes, she and her brother go to public school. <laughs> and obviously that, and at the time we were going to like private school, which is obviously, you know. Costs money. And it costs money. And, you know, so the, the, the explanation there was, well, they can afford a boat because they don't have this other expense. But in my head, I was like, oh, so they had to sign a contract at the lo- <laughs> like with the boat dealer that they would send their kids to the local <laughs> elementary school. But then I was like, but their boat dealer – because one time I went to their boat dealer with them. I don't know why. But their boat dealer was in New Jersey. So I was always confused. I was like, why would this New Jersey boat dealer like make them go to the local public school in Pennsylvania? But I just – I never interrogated that until I was like straight up like 20 years old. Like I literally had a brain blast when I was like 20 and I was like, oh – that's what that meant. And I, I thought about that. Like, it wasn't like I'd never thought about that, but in, in that like 15 year time period, but like, I just never questioned it. I was like, yes, the, the boat dealer made them sign a contract to send their child to public school. And that's why they got a boat. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't just, even realize that's I'm what just saying thought. Anthony, like having this whole complex about how he has the best relationship with his dad is like not unrealistic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's just Anthony's ability to just completely – I don't know how to describe it. Like, Anthony's just, like, complete ability to even consider that other people might have the same feelings he has when faced with the same situation is just baffling. I feel like that's, like, the first step of, like – you know, that's, like, children realizing that, like, 
you know, <laughs> illusion exists, right? That's like the first step is realizing other people can have reactions that are like the same as yours. The next step is realizing they could react differently. You know what I mean? I feel like he hasn't even gotten to that like preliminary level. Because of all of this, because Anthony takes his dad's death so badly and looks up to his, to his dad as like the best person and man ever, um, he can't imagine surpassing his dad in any way, including age. So his dad died when he was 38. Therefore, Anthony will die before he is 38. Yeah. Also, I think it's really funny that 18-year-old Anthony is like, wow, 38 is so old. Yes, I was going to say that. I was going to say that because he's like, wow, it's so obscene that my parents are still having kids. Like his mom is pregnant and she's 36 at that point. He's like, it's so obscene that or my parents are still having kids at this point. Like it's kind of embarrassing. But then he's like, the doctors are baffled why how such a young virile man like could die from a beast. Yeah. Like which is it? Is he like decrepit and too old to be having kids? Or well, I can't understand eighteen year olds like looking at his pregnant mom and being like, "All right, enough is enough, Violet. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> let's let's simmer down." <laughs> yeah, I guess the age gap is like huge, but yeah, their yeah. the kids aren't like evenly spaced like yeah some of them are pretty far apart but anthony is like quote he hadn't of course shared his thoughts about his own mortality with anyone else not even his brothers end quote so if you haven't ever told anyone else about this why would you assume that they can't possibly also be not telling you how, how they're feeling like if you had like one-on-one -on -one mandatory therapy where like you're the therapist with each of your family members like no that's the thing. Okay, so one, my response, my response to that is a, everyone's a little bit narcissistic, particularly in grief. When you're sure. feeling, I feel like a ten intense emotions, particularly painful ones, you are always gonna assume that like the way you're feeling, like no one can understand the way you're feeling. And it, listen, in some respects, Anthony, none of his siblings can understand how he's feeling because again, a, all of them have different relationships with their father. But B, like Anthony has so – like his father's death impacts him in a completely different and entirely tangible way than the rest of his siblings. Like their lives don't really change in any way besides like having a dead dad, obviously. But like Anthony's whole life gets flipped upside down. So he does have a completely different – in, the impact of his father's death is completely different than any of his other siblings. I don't think that's what he's saying, though. Like, he never complains about, like, having to be the patriarch or whatever. Like, he's just saying that, like, that, like, I just had the most special. And sure, I can forgive him that. However, this is not the only context in which Anthony proves himself completely incapable of Everybody considering is that others can have a deep, like, you know, in internal world. Everybody's a little narcissistic. Okay? <laughs> like everybody assumes that the way they're feeling is the like first time anyone has ever felt this way and that there's no way anyone can understand. And like everybody does that to an extent. Some people yeah, less I'm than sure. others. I don't know. Anthony, listen, Anthony needs therapy. He needs – and by the end of the book, he does unpack his toxic masculinity. <laughs> That's another thing that is very strong with Anthony here and something that I think Jonathan Bailey did really well in the first – season of Bridgerton everyone was like oh Anthony's such a dick and I'm like no 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 my friends Anthony is suffering under the patriarchy that is what's <laughs> happening here Anthony needs therapy unfortunately therapy doesn't really exist in the early 19th century but he'll get there <laughs> eventually <laughs> oh an important important thing I wanted to ask so we I listened to the I the first time I read this I read it like text with my eyes this time I listened to it. And the audiobook narrator, and I'm pretty sure they also do this in the show, they say his name Anthony, like mm -hmm. Tony. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. And then, but we've been saying it Anthony. And that's how it's spelled. It's spelled yeah. Anthony, T-H. 
I was so going to ask. Is it? I was going to ask. Is that like a British thing? They always pronounce Anthony Anthony. Honestly, it's I think a, it it's is a, a British much, thing. I like that name a lot better, frankly. But but I feel like it's like Anthony in. It sounds. Let's here's my thing. Anthony I think sounds better in an American accent, and Anthony sounds better in a British accent. That's my thing. Like Anthony. I disagree. Like, I just I feel really... like and Anthony and Tony. Like it sounds weird to me in American accent. Anthony. It doesn't sound nice. Maybe, but Anthony, I just always hated the mouthfeel of that. Like, I just didn't oh. like it. I just always had really negative associations Anthony. with that name for some reason. I just feel like you got to pronounce it the British way for me to – in a British accent, like for me to in any way. Like I think name. there might have been a kid in my, like, third grade class who threw up in class named Anthony. Maybe that's where it comes from. Here's the thing, though. It's not his fault. Here's but. a dangerous <laughs> – here's a dangerous – oh, my God. You're associating it with puking. <laughs> no, I just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing though. When it's Anthony, when it's spelled Antony, there is mm-hmm. a very big danger that the kid is going to be nicknamed Tony. I like and I just that. feel like if you are nicknamed Tony, your destiny is to become either a mobster or an Italian baker. Either of those are great options. <laughs> Like, what? What are you talking about? Are you telling me you wouldn't want to be an Italian baker? I mean, sure, they have to get up really early. But, like, other than yeah, that. that's the thing. I would want to, like, maybe be, like, related to an Italian baker so I can, like, come into the shop and get free stuff all the time. Like, a cousin. I don't want to, like, be in any way involved in that family business. But, like, yeah. I would like the benefit. So, okay. We pretty much finished up with Anthony Boy. Um, He's, you know, been stewing for the past, like, he's 28 present day, right? It's been, like, 10 years. Um, Convinced. 29? Yeah convinced that he's gonna die by by the time he's 38 and i guess wait when does this happen i guess i'm i'm skipping like but he says to his brothers he's like all right it's time for me to get married and in his head he's like all right my criteria are that the girl is reasonably smart reasonably hot and i definitely won't fall in love with her and i'm just wondering (laughs) how (laughs) i'm just wondering how he it's never clear how he like Pre- like is planning to predict or define the final criteria because like if someone's reasonably hot and reasonably smart like how are you going to know off the bat that you'll definitely never fall in love with them i think you know? i mean i think you just get that vibe i don't know I like so. i feel like i've definitely met people and i'm like yeah i like you but like there's absolutely no way that like i'm ever gonna feel also romance so. reasons rachel romance reasons sure That's but why. like it doesn't given his like effect on his like reaction to Kate I'm not I'm just not clear on why she wouldn't fit that criteria from from what he's thinking like yeah consciously subconsciously obviously different story but like he it just seems like paradoxical that either he's like admitting that he's into her like you know what I mean like by saying that he can't yeah whatever he just Um, by reasonably hot he means like I want to be able to get it up around her sure so like he can't get it up around Kate like I don't know whatever yeah, so he's in whites and he's telling his brothers, Benedict and Colin, that he's going to get married. And Benedict is tipping his chair back <laughs> and again, specifically his mother's wishes. And I was just like, it's Stefan. <laughs> like, Benedict is Stefan. <laughs> Anthony is also like, he's just like such a, yeah, he's just like such a dummy that he like believes that he doesn't, he's not going to fall in love. But it's also like kind of rude to like purposely marry someone who like, Oh yeah, we'll never fall in love with. Sure. And I guess, listen, I guess we we need to, we should acknowledge now that like, a this is this book was written in two thousand in two thousand, and like historical romance looked a lot different in two thousand than it did than it does now, and just the world in general looked a lot different in two thousand. Also, it's like 
taking place in the Regency era. So like most aristocrats didn't marry for love. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's not like he's robbing her of like, at least from his perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, so I'm just saying like when we criticize it and like acknowledge that like we understand this, (laughs) yeah, this is is all happening within the context of both when it's taking place and when it's written. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, Anthony, like it's kind of rude. Mm -hmm. I also don't believe, so Anthony is like a rake with a capital R. So now we have, if you've watched the show, you know this, or if you've read these books before, you know that each chapter begins with a little excerpt from Lady Whistledown Society Papers, which is like a Regency gossip column. It's like Us Weekly. And Lady Whistledown begins her first entry in this with a note about how Anthony is a rake with a capital R. And in case you aren't familiar with the historical romance lingo, a rake is a fuckboy, basically. It's a Regency fuckboy. Um, and I just never really believe that Anthony is a true rake, like especially having read mm. other historical romance. And like Anthony, like, yes, he's like fucked many people, but like He's still super responsible and, like, takes care of his family. And, like, he only ever has, like, one – like, he has, like, a mistress. You know what I mean? It's not like he's going, like, to the brothels or, like, seducing, like, debutantes in hallways, like, every night. Like, a different one, like, every night at the ball. Like, he literally just has, like, one girlfriend at a time. (laughs) Sure. But we explicitly get that, like, he's like, oh, I'm 28 now. I've, like, slowed down a little bit. Back in my, like, early and mid-20s, I would have, like, multiple mistresses and also be, like, hooking up with other people and, like, going out every night. So, like, yeah, he slowed down a little bit for sure. But, like, I think – I don't know. I think the I show – I just never definitely... believed that. I was like, okay, Anthony. Even in the show, he has one girlfriend who he, like, <laughs> wants to marry. <laughs> yeah, I'm I like, guess. like, where, where is he a rake? Exactly. Where is he a fuckboy? Like, I mean, he's a fuckboy, but he's not, like, a slutty fuckboy. You know what I mean? He's, he's a fuckboy, like, in personality. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Okay. So now we meet his love interest slash the woman who's going to hit him over the head with her proverbial pan. Like tangled. <laughs> what? No, that's yeah. what I just like imagine. Like that's what happens. Yeah. To him. He just gets like knocked over the head with like a cast iron saucepan enough times that he finally like is like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a dick sometimes. <laughs> and then he's like, I cannot be a dick. It's I'm allowed. Yeah. So we meet the Sheffields, Kate, Edwina, and Mary. Mary and Edwina are mom and daughter. And Kate is Edwina's half-sister and Mary's stepdaughter. But they're all BFFs. And I really like their relationship. I think it's really cute. Like, they're all super close and tight. And there's no, like, dumb stepmother angst. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mary and Edwina look alike. And Edwina is super small and super hot. And Kate – yeah, and blonde. And Kate is taller and just, you know, pretty but, like, average-looking. But compared to Edwina, which she's constantly compared to, she's, like, you know, obviously nowhere near as hot. Well, no, she's – so Anthony acknowledges later that she is more than average-looking. He's like, yeah, Kate is actually pretty hot. It's just yeah, that yeah, Edwina yeah. is so hot. Like, she's not average yeah, I said she's though. pretty. Like, she's better than – like, she's – She's pretty but yeah. she, compared to Edwina. And so they're all vaguely poor because their dad died. Um, which I like. It's better than some kind of like infuriating thing about like an on-tail or, or like an on-tailed relative or like some kind of like scam. I always hate that. That whenever there's like some kind of like super unfairness in the way they got poor, I'm always I always spend the rest of the book like stewing about it. But <laughs> so they're just like vaguely poor, and that's why they could only afford to come to London for the season once. So Edwina is like almost 18. Kate is almost 21. So they're both there for the first time. And Kate, in her head, she's like, 
I'm definitely never getting married or like at least not to someone in London. Like maybe I'll find someone back home. But my purpose here is to like get Edwina married off to like as good of a rich person as possible. I mean, I understand from like they don't have dowries. So like Kate's like, I'm not hot enough to make up for the fact that I don't have a dowry, but Mm -hmm. Edwina is. But I'm like the idea that someone at 21 was a spinster is like fucking insane. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like well into spinsterhood. Yeah. The aristocracy needed all benefits of age they could get. Except like having kids in, in your teens is not actually like that beneficial health-wise. <laughs> so no. it's like why the one of the reasons the infant mortality rate was so high. And not just infant mortality rate, but like uh, maternal mortality rate. So a question about Edwina. Do you think that Julia Quinn gave Edwina such an ugly name? Like to make up for the fact that she's that hot. Sorry if your name's Edwina. Like, <laughs> but like, I, I just know, feel like but... it's kind of an objectively any of those names that are like a man's name, but you just add like a at the end. I just feel like are like, mm. no, for me, it's the ween. It's the ween element. That's Edwina. Just <laughs> Do you think that part of the reason Anthony hones in on Edwina is because it's it reminds him of his dad's name, Edmund Edwina? No. No, because Anthony's sitting in his club and he's like, who's the hottest chick this season? And his brothers are like, oh, it's Edwina Sheffield. And he's like, I know, oh, I'm going to marry like, her. That sounds like Edmund. No. <laughs> I could name our son Edmund and tell her it's named after her. What is this like some weird like reverse like Freud I don't thing? Know. He just likes that name. I don't know. Where like the dad, the boy wants to fuck his dad <laughs> and like not his mom. <laughs> yeah. Kate is less pretty than Edwina. She's also less like fine like I don't know how to describe it like graceful less, like graceful. she's sort of clumsy and she's like abrupt she doesn't know how to like play the game of the ton you know what I yeah. mean she's like always, she always like, walks very straightforward fast. And, like, <laughs> yeah yeah she walks fast. yeah I like that yeah my girl she does she like steps on people's feet when she dances like that kind of thing so we open up Edwina's reading Lady Whistledown and they're talking about Anthony and how he's such a slut and Kate is like you can't marry that guy. And Edwina, like a week ago, we're told, like announced to a whole party that like she would not marry anyone unless like Kate approved of them. So like all like Edwina suitors are like trying to ham themselves up to Kate to like get her approval. And Kate is like, you can't even consider Lord Bridgerton because he is a slut. And Mary is like, not that it's any of your business, but most men have mistresses. And I'm like, is this why... Later on, when like Anthony ex- basically explicitly says that he intends to like cheat on Edwina, <laughs> that nobody questions it. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, that's fucked. That like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're like, yeah, that's like whatever, normal. I'm like, I recognize that they're in Regency England and they're also poor and women and they can't get jobs and they're not even like working class women. So like, they have no way of supporting themselves and they're in an untenable position. But I'm also like, <laughs> yeah i don't love that <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i mean that is something that's really i think uh, was an, is interrogated a lot more in these early historicals than in maybe a lot of the historicals that are going around now right you can because I, a, a quality of a good historical is that it interrogates gender like I, you cannot, regardless of whether you're writing an MF historical, an FF historical, an MM historical, whatever, you have to acknowledge how gender like affects power dynamics and like everything in your world. And this book like does that, and I think is a lot more like honest about it than. And I mean, listen, I'm not like, I'm not dunking. There are a lot of people who are like, modern historicals are too, they're too feminist, and like, there's no way like these people would be thinking like this and doing this and I'm like well like 
you know, that's not true. Everyone wasn't like a sexually deprived, stick up their ass, like dummy, like Georgette Heyer would have you believe. It's also like not the point, you know? Yeah. Also, Jane Austen was the son. Like everyone quotes Jane Austen, but like Jane Austen was like a fucking countryside gal who was the son, who was the daughter, the like unmarried daughter of a vicar. Like Jane Austen was a prude. I love her, but she was a fucking prude. Like, <laughs> of course, she's not going to write like anything more than like perfectly morally like wonderful characters. Anyway, my point is that I think that these early books are a lot more honest with how they interrogate that and like the reality than some books i think there are some books that are like afraid to do that nowadays yeah and they just kind of like ignore it which honestly is like fine because i feel like a lot of a lot is ignored a lot has to be ignored like i remember when i was reading these for the first time i kept like just like jumping on every little tiny detail that i was like this this isn't accurate like i don't think this is accurate and like looking it up but then you just like eventually are like yeah that's like not it's 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 written in the time it's written and it's not supposed to be historically accurate it's yeah fiction in this setting like yeah yeah no that's the thing i mean and i like a lot of the times i prefer my historical romances to not like to just like let ladies be ladies you know what i mean to like like sometimes i'm just like i don't want to like be reminded of like how much the world sucked 200 years ago and how much it still sucks like sometimes i just want to read a nice also like historical is like Anthony has fucking washboard abs and he's like six foot tall and he has all his teeth and he's like young and super right. rich. Like that's so like that historical man doesn't doesn't exist. Yeah. Like how are all these like 50 hot like 30 year old dukes like walking around like ready yeah. to give out titles to like wash maids? Yeah. No. And honestly, like I, I said this in a different I can't remember what book we were reading when I when I like thought this, but like I generally just prefer the misogyny to be like unstated. Like I don't need yeah. a character, especially one that we're supposed to like to even like reference. Like, I don't know. I just don't need that. Yeah, that's the thing. I get I mean, like I don't I don't mind like like the rake TM is like very is a very common like hero in historical romance. Yeah. I'm, like, I don't like I'm like whatever, like get your slut on. Like as long as you don't sleep with anyone. While you're with the heroine, <laughs> they all like, like definitely have STDs. That's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, the thing. that's the the most historically inaccurate thing is that like right. none of these men have syphilis. Right. Uh, <laughs> you just don't just... find out until later on, so it's not relevant to the storyline. Anyway, Kate also has a dog, and his name oh, is yeah. Newton, and he is a corgi, which Your I bread. don't think actually <laughs> existed at the time. I think I <laughs> looked this up when I first read this book, and I don't think. Corgi's existed, but I don't care because he's cute and like chaos. Like (laughs) Newton is just like pure chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They weren't recognized until 1920s. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it was the British royal family, I'm pretty sure, that like made them a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I love that she has apparently he's wait, he's named after Newton, a physicist. Uh So is this Julie Quinn trying to tell us that Newton the Corgi is actually a time traveler? What? You know? Because he's oh, he, yeah. he didn't exist. He's like there a hundred years early. It's he's true. named after a physicist. Like I feel like that's a little Easter egg. Newton is a time traveler. Confirmedly. <laughs> I I will not be taking questions or criticisms of this theory at the time. In fact, <laughs> no longer a theory. It's a proven it's canon statement. It's canon. Um, Julia Quinn, feel free to like publicly acknowledge that as canon, but um, I also don't need your approval. I, like I say it's canon. <laughs> Yeah. So it's time for them to all go to some ball. I don't, know, I don't remember which ball. A ball. And why they, while they're, as usual, Edwina is like always has a dance partner, but Kate is like off to the side by herself. When who should come over 
Oh, oh, Edwina's dancing with Anthony, right? Yes. Kate is standing in the corner, brooding, because Anthony and Edwina are dancing together, and she's like, he is a fuckboy. He needs to get away from my sister. And then who walks over? But Anthony number two, aka number three. Actually. Number, well, but to Kate, it's Anthony number two because she's like, she has like a double take. She's like, who? What? What? She like didn't know there were like that many Bridgertons so that they all look exactly alike. <laughs> um, it is Colin, and Colin is coming over to, I don't know what, just like troll, because um, he's like talking. Him and Kate have like a little bit of banter and then he's like, oh, let's go get some lemonade to get away from Mary. And basically, Kate does not mince words. She's like, I really just do not want your brother anywhere near my sister. And remember that Colin – Anthony told Colin like the day before that he's targeting Edwina. (laughs) Sounds so sinister. It it is sinister. And can I just mention – I know this is like an artifact of these books, like the time period or whatever – but, like, when Anthony is listing his criteria, like, that she's, like, you know, smart, pretty, not fall in love, he's like, yeah, she needs to be smart because the last time I made the mistake of trying to engage a chit just out of the schoolyard in edu- in conversation, she, like, you know, could barely string two words yeah. together. I'm like, why? You're 28. Why are you talking to chits out of the schoolyard? Like, yeah. what? Dude. So yeah, it's a little I don't bit like- predatory. And we know 17. I was like, that's Anthony, I know you need to unlearn this, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't, well, I don't, A, he, the fact that he just like paints debutantes in a group, like he's just really is like, right. a dick. But yeah, also, but also like this whole time, like Edwina's 17. I know. <laughs> like, she's 17. There's a 12 year age gap. She's not even like legally an adult. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm just very creeped out by that. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. If you want people with a similar conversational ability as you, why don't you look at people your own age? Like literally. Or just like in general and like men in historicals are always yeah. like, women are like so dumb to talk to. Like I don't like talking to them. And I'm like, well, maybe if you like let them go to fucking school and like didn't ostracize them any time they tried to talk about something besides the weather, right. you'd be able to have a good conversation with them. Right. <laughs> like, God, yeah. They're like, oh, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Like, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically Colin is like, oh, I see an opportunity to troll. This is yes, gonna be hilarious. Like, he is yeah. just boldly <laughs> shit talking his brother to his face, which is just wow, so bold. And then Colin is just full of shit. Like he's just yeah. like standing there with a shit eating grin on his face. He's like, Oh, I can make up I can make a whole lot of chaos with this. Yeah. <laughs> so Colin like walks away and he goes and finds Anthony and he's like, Hey dude. You know that girl that you want to get with? Remember how like her sister's opinion is the deciding factor here? I was just talking to her sister and, you know, she's like never had a guy look twice at her. She's like this shy aging spinster and she could not stop talking – like saying enough nice things about you. <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't – he doesn't specifically – he specifically does not say – you cannot stop she talking was saying about nice you. things. She just says she couldn't stop talking about yeah. you. And Anthony has his like head up his ass. And it's like, well, obviously she was talking about how hot I Colin am and how does rich say I am. You'll have no trouble winning her over. She's probably never yeah, received no. attention from a man such as you. So <laughs> Anthony like strolls over and he's like waiting for Kate to approach. And then in his head, he's like, No, no, no. Colin sees Kate. He's like, oh, look, there she is. And then yeah, Colin, yeah. like, <laughs> bowls his way through the crowd. He's like, get out of the way. 
Yeah. And so Anthony is like sizing her up and he's like, oh, I heard she was tall, like much taller than her sister. Like she's so tall. But then he's like, she was no ape leading Amazon. <laughs> Only when compared with Edwina, who barely reached five feet. And you know what? I think I found a new favorite nickname for myself. Thank you so much for that, Julia. I really appreciate that. And thank you also, Julia, for giving me more data points with which to fight back against the gaslighting that somehow being tall is like an advantage in like as a, as a woman. woman. This is like not that we need it. And we know that she considers six one tall for a man since Anthony is six one and he's considered tall. So he's objectively tall. Six foot is tall. I understand, but that's like tall, tall. You know what I mean? No, like Kate is like supposed okay. to be like five by, eight. Here's the thing: by the by the standards, yes, by the average man in America is like five eight. So yes, it's objectively tall. By the standards of a romance novel, they are always like six four, six five minimum, right? The fact that she considers that as like tall, like what am I then? Because I'm only like an inch shy of that. <laughs> I'm a girl, so. You know, Kate, Kate is like it's my all the It's all the casual heightism. I know heightism isn't a real thing. I'm not comparing it to like whatever. I'm just saying I would not be so adamant about this if every time I like mention it, people weren't immediately jumping down my throat to be like, no, no. What do you mean? It's girls that yeah. don't like short boys. Okay. No. Well, it's like it's like that that Netflix – it was a movie, Tall Girl, and how everyone was oh, like yeah. making fun of that because they're like, oh, she's acting like she's like – and like, yeah. I mean, I didn't watch that movie, but like from what I saw I of it, it. I, I, I do think they like hammed it up a lot. But like Not I was like much. people were complaining about that to me and I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like my sister was six foot like at the age of 12 and like that is like definitely accurate to her experience. Like yeah, just because y'all yeah. like are short and like are like I, normal. Like all of my friends are like normal right. height. They're like five four. Just – yeah, exactly. Just remember this when you read The Hating Game. I okay, I I feel guilty about that from the beginning because, like, one of my good friends is like on the sh- very short, like as tall as I am, she's short, and I know it's always been a source of insecurity for her. And I'm not trying to. I always felt guilty for like playing that down. Like I recognize that can definitely be an issue for people. But I think the difference is that like it's never other people. Like the thing in the hating game, she's like complaining as if the fact that she got attention and got pushed in swings and got like pulled around in the wagon as if that's like bad. Like the, what made it bad? It's never other people. Like actually yeah. treating you badly. Sure, maybe there's like casual teasing, but like it's not like liter. I don't know. Like it's just yeah. You're you never don't really get the at like in a books social where they're like advantage. Like right. in terms of like romantic relationships or like right. other stuff like that. Like being short as a woman is not is never something that's necessarily really gonna like take you out of the running. Sure, and for some reason, like I feel like no one ever contests that it's like bad for a man to be short. No one ever like is jumping to the defense of like that's not a hard position to be in. You know, so I don't understand why there's just like the constant onslaught of gaslighting in the other direction. I just don't get it. I guess it's because models exist, but like actors, male actors are short. Like, sure, if you want to, if you want to go down that fight, like, no. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like the big models of today or like what. And I recognize like social media definitely influences this, but like Kendall Jenner, Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid, they're all like, I think Kendall Jenner is maybe like 5'10. Gigi Hadid is like 5'7. Like, she's my height. Sure. Like, none of them are like, None of them are – my point is none of them are astronomically tall. So I'm like sure. even like the big models of today, like you're still taller than them. Sure. And my point is like all that's irrelevant. If you're super fucking hot, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like your other characteristics yeah. become irrelevant. Like Carly Kloss is like what, like 6'2", but like okay, I'm never going to be Carly Kloss. It doesn't matter. Like you know what I mean? 
Yeah. I'm not really trying to dig on myself. I'm just saying like it's the same thing as like saying, oh, you're 5'6 as a guy. Why do you have a problem with that? Tom Cruise is 5'6 and look at him. All the ladies are all over him. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, no. but he's Tom Cruise. Right. He also exactly. has the power of Scientology behind him, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> I don't even know if it's Tom Cruise. Some whatever. There's a no, Tom male Cruise celebrities is very short. in general are short. Yeah. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. All of the male Anyway, that's my rant for today. Anyway, just for the record, Kate is no ape leading Amazon, so you don't have to worry about that. She's like five seven. She's like my <laughs> yeah. she's my height. And I'm like, I'm taller than average, but like no one no one has ever like looked at me and been like, holy shit, you're so tall. Right. Okay, so <laughs> so as predicted, Kate comes over and Anthony's like all ready for her to be like fawning all over him. And instead she's like, I fucking hate your guts. Stay away from my sister. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he makes the huge mistake of being like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, you are just as beautiful as your sister. And Kate immediately is like, this guy is full of elephant shit. Like he is full of huge, like the biggest doo-doo on the planet is what Anthony Bridgerton is made out of. And to Anthony's credit, in his internal monologue, he does realize he was like, that was a really fucking stupid thing to say. That was the one compliment she never would have like believed. Right, <laughs> like, right. He's like, so to Anthony's credit, he does realize realize that he fucked up to Kate's credit she doesn't let him get away with it (laughs) right (laughs) and he basically tries to like cover for it doesn't work and oh so so Colin had asked Kate to dance but for some reason he like makes up an excuse he's like oh sorry that little boy's room is calling (laughs) and she's like oh that's okay like I don't care and he's like oh no no but you have to dance with someone like it would just be so rude of me not to provide someone to dance with you Anthony why don't you dance with her (laughs) and Anthony's first thought is like when hell freezes over but then Kate is like no Absolutely not. And Anthony Kate is, is like, like when when three <laughs> Yeah. Four. And Anthony is like, wait a second. Anthony's like, and I took that personally. <laughs> yes. And then he literally drags her onto the dance floor, which is like top tier Edward behavior. <laughs> like psycho. Cullen, yeah. Completely unhinged. But Anthony, so they they dance and they're just roasting each other back and forth the whole time. Katie's like, I fucking hate you. She stomps on his foot accidentally and on purpose multiple times. And Anthony at this point, he hasn't fully consciously realized this, but I realized it for him. I was like, Anthony has a kink for women who roast him. I was like, that's what he wants. He wants someone who's just constantly, who's going to be roasting him nonstop for the rest of his life. That's what he needs. Like, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And Kate provides. Yeah, what does that remind me of? What is that from where that's like the thing? What am I thinking of? I don't know. That's definitely Oh, and Prejudice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's well, like very is- strong Jane Austen vibes throughout this for no. sure. This is very much, I think, like Sense and Sensibility meets Pride and Prejudice. Because it's like the sisters and their mom. Yeah. No, for sure. But I like it better because the problem with that sensibility, exactly like I was saying earlier, they have this like annoying – it starts out with just like the – the brother's wife just being a total bitch and like worming their them out of their inheritance. And that's just – it took me so long to get past that. I don't even know if I've gotten through the whole book. I'm going to be honest. It's kind of embarrassing to admit. I've seen all like the film adaptations, but like the book is just so frustrating. I just want to like punch them. But I, that's why I like that they're just like vaguely – that's why I like that they're just like vaguely poor here. <laughs> like there's no like evil yeah. relative machinations to get me fired yeah. up. Um, Another thing, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony is like – Kate is like – Edwina is never going to go for you if I don't approve. And like, I will never approve. And Anthony's like, I thought Edwina was an adult and she could make her own decisions. And I'm like, sir, she's 17. She's quite literally not an adult. Actually, well, 
If we want to be technical, be twenty one adult either. Yeah. Well, no, no, she's twenty one at this point because she said she's, that's her why, birthday yeah. was like overnight. Yeah, <laughs> twenty one overnight. But yeah, technically, at the beginning of this season, Kate was not an adult either. Yeah. By which I mean she can. Well, that's 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 the thing. It's weird because like at eighteen, like Anthony can inherit at eighteen because he's technically an adult. But like, were his father still alive, he wouldn't be able to get married without his parents permission until he was 21 mm-hmm. like there's like it's like a weird it's the same thing we have now Makes i guess sense. in the it's u.s like, like yeah. you're an adult with at but there are certain things you can't do until you're yeah. 21 anthony like hears that kate doesn't want him to marry edwina and he's like there is nothing more that rogues like than a challenge <laughs> and i'm like yeah boo but the challenge is not gonna be marrying edwina it's gonna be mm, winning over kate you dummy like mm-hmm. you don't even see like the frying pan is swinging towards your head and you don't <laughs> even see it coming <laughs> you're not even gonna duck yeah <laughs> so flash to the next morning and kate is like admiring all the seemingly like hundreds of flower bouquets that edwina gets every morning from her various she's super suitors. hot <laughs> yeah she's super hot and but the joke is that Edwina has the aforementioned hay fever, so she can't actually like smell any of them. So Kate gets them all and she's like, haha, I scammed them all. But we find out that Kate has never gotten flowers like for herself before. Like no one's ever given her flowers. Yeah. Yeah. So Edwina is out on like a little curacle ride with uh goofball Nigel Nigel Burbrook. So she's not in the house when Anthony shows up and he's like, Where's Edwina? And Kate's like, over my dead body. And then <laughs> and then and this is where – this is the beginning of the choking fantasies because Kate is like, if she had been a less controlled sort of woman, her hands would surely have been wrapped around his throat. And that's just yeah. like one of many. Just the they, But they both. Like yeah, there's they definitely both. multiple yeah, yeah, points yeah. in which Anthony is like he reached out his hand and like measured her throat with his finger. Right. And then that's why it makes it extra disappointing that the, the sex is just like so – so basic like i don't think he even goes he never even goes down on her like once no there is a hint of kink in the epilogue in which or no in the second epilogue (laughs) in which they're talking about tying each other up but well yeah i was like i was like i want and i mean i don't expect like julia quinn is definitely like i wouldn't say julia quinn is like spicy like there's on page sex but like Julie Quinn is not a steamy author. Like she's she's more known for like her dialogue and her humor yeah. and like situational comedy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure, but yeah, sure. this is I'm not a very spicy book. There's on page it. I mean, it was spicy again. The first time I read it, oh yeah, I was like, oh, what is this? I haven't felt this way since I started reading Lillian James Smut in the seventh <laughs> grade. Like this, the feelings are back. And then, like, since then, I've read, like, much hotter books. But this yeah. is – that's why this is a good gateway. Like, if you've never read it, you would read this and be like, oh, this is a spicy book. Oh, it's definitely. like people who read fucking, like, Akatar, like, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, one sex scene in that, in that like, 600-page second book. And everyone's like, oh, chapter 55. It's it's so hot. And I'm like, yeah, it's hot. But, like, chill out, guys. Like, <laughs> you, you realize there's like, an entire the genre. The bar is low. The right. bar is so low. That's hilarious. And then they make TikToks about like how all they read is smut, but like the only books shown are like Akatar. And I'm like, not no. to like dig. That would have been me no. like a year and a half ago yeah. probably. But. And listen, Sarah J. Moss, the the uh, Court of Silver Flames is is fully smut. Like every other scene is a sex scene in that book. Sure, sure. I'm not digging her ability. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sarah J. Moss, like once she like freed herself from the shackles of YA, she was like flexing her like muscles <laughs> and like just like, oh, I'm ready. It's like that Jim Carrey gif where he's yeah. like clacking really quickly on the keyboard. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did I read that book? Because I still think that sex scene is like really hot. I'm gonna be honest. Like even in though Akatar? it's only one. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it is. No, the sex no, scene. No, like, but I'm saying it almost makes up, it almost makes up for yeah. the like quantity, quality over yeah. quantity. There is a lot <laughs> of like mini in that book scenes of like foreplay where he's like where they're like touching each other, but like nothing happens. But like the sexual tension is really high. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, Anthony's there and Mary comes downstairs and spies an opportunity. And Kate assumes that Mary is like trying to undermine her and get Edwina and Anthony together. Anthony brings Kate flowers. Oh, yeah. So he brings – he's brought flowers for Edwina and originally it looks like one big bouquet. So like Kate just assumes it's like one big bouquet of tulips or something for like Edwina. But then he pulls them apart and there are three and he brought one for Mary, one for Edwina and one for Kate. And this is actually based – this was – Anthony admits that he got this idea from Simon who is the hero of the previous book, The Duke and I. But – this is based on Julia Quinn's like real life experience. She's like, this is what my husband did. Like when he first met like my mom and my grandma, he like brought all three of them flowers. Mm-hmm. And like he, she was like, it was beautiful. Like because my grandma like hadn't gotten flowers since my grandpa died. And like it was really cute. That is cute. And I was like, you go, Mr. Quinn or doc. I'm sorry. He's a doctor. So Dr. Quinn, like you go, sir. For like, sure. It very is smooth. Cute. <laughs> I don't like something about bringing it to the sister who's like also allegedly supposed to be getting married feels kind of patronizing though but yeah i don't know but but kate is very much even though kate's her sister like i would yeah i don't know kate there's very much like and this is openly acknowledged like there's very much like a motherly component to mm-hmm. kate and edwina's relationship yeah um so mary comes down and she's like oh kate it's time for newton to go for a walk why don't you and anthony take him for a walk and go find edwina which is kind of like <laughs> like rude if you're if Nigel Burbrook was like anyone else I feel like why are you sending them out to like get on their date but whatever he's really we're Nigel Burbrook in the <laughs> in the books he's just like a lovable idiot they really did him dirty in the show like they really <laughs> made him like an absolute monster in the fucking show like poor Nigel he's just yeah. like a little like, he's just a dummy like he's fine harmless and then they just like were like crank that shit up in the show. like <laughs> show Burbrook is never getting his happy ending with no. Uh, whichever Featherington. No, I hope not. Yeah, he's no. supposed to marry one of the Featheringtons. Like, I hope she doesn't deserve that. No, like- no, no, definitely not. <laughs> but according to Anthony, Nigel, Nigel Burbrook has, quote, more hair than wit. And Kate's like, he's going bald. And Anthony's like, if that doesn't prove my point, I don't know what will. So he's yeah. a little dummy. <laughs> They're also so there's a lot there's, there's a lot of little moments in that before they leave for the walk. Before Mary comes down, they're sitting in the drawing room, and Kate is like oh, we're sitting unchaperoned, like, oh, no. And Anthony has, like, a moment of panic because, like, he thinks he's going to mm-hmm. be forced into marriage. And I was like, oh, it's foreshadowing. <laughs> um, also, Aunt Newton is, like, barking at Mary outside because Newton loves Mary, but Mary doesn't like him. And Anthony is like, surely it's a mastiff. And I'm like, ha-ha. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's just a dumb little corgi. Also, I know this is very picky. And again, I swear to God, I'm not one of those, like, this is historically inaccurate people. Like, I, I don't give a shit. But it really justice for kate in the fact that they have to keep specifying when they say miss sheffield that they mean edwina when kate kate is the only miss sheffield nobody else gets to be miss sheffield kate is the oldest he's the only miss sheffield so whenever someone says miss sheffield unless they are specific unless like they're talking to Edwina and she's the only one in the room with them and they're very clearly talking specifically to her and about her. Kate is the only Miss Sheffield that ever – the only person who ever gets to be Miss Sheffield until she gets married. Edwina is always Miss Edwina Sheffield. 
always. So I'm always like, it always like, it just grinds my gears a little bit. Like I'm like, Kate is not getting her rightful due as the old, you want to talk about oldest sister injustice. Right, right. This is Kate. Like Kate deserves to be the only Miss Sheffield. Let her have this one thing. Yeah. Well, it's like the gag in uh, 2005 Pride and Prejudice when the butler comes in and he's like, a Miss Bennett, a Miss Bennett, a Miss Bennett, and a Miss Bennett. It's like, hmm. so off they putz on their walk and like, it's all going pretty well. Kate's like enjoying the sun and Anthony's like, oh, she enjoys the sun, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's like walking and he's just like stubbornly ignoring how like nice it feels to just like walk with her. He's like, wow, this is like really peaceful and soothing and like, wow, she's so hot. But he's like, this means nothing. This absolutely, no, this doesn't yeah. mean anything. I also sympathize with Kate because when Mary's like forcing her to go with on the walk with Anthony she's like she's like kind of mad that her daily alone walk is being interrupted she's like I like walking Newton to the park and I because I can just like walk by myself and like think to myself and like I really like really vibe with that I'm like I too yeah annoyed with my daily alone time is interrupted <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Nigel I mean Newton would not object to two walks a day that's all I have to say yeah but so she's like oh the sun feels so nice I wish I could take my hat off but I can't and he's like oh well you could push it up let me do it for you and then he's like fidgeting I don't know why she can't do it herself but he's like fidgeting with it for her I guess like to get them to touch when Newton sees like a bird or something and like basically drags her down the lane and then like escapes yeah and (laughs) they have to like run pell-mell across the park to try to catch him and they don't see him until he sees Eloisa who no, is standing? Edwina. Edwina. Oh my god. Edwina. Fucking Edwina. And if listen, only it- advice, friends, when chasing dogs or cats, remember you are a distance hunter. <laughs> so you will always be able to outlast them. You just have to follow them at a distance and eventually they'll get tired. You can just yeah. walk up to them. Remember this. You have the evolutionary advantage. Indeed. Yeah. Humans are made for running for distance, right? Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> so Newton sees. Edwina, and he's really excited. He's like, oh, my other best friend, my other my other girl, whatever. And he runs toward her, and she's standing next to the river, and so she gets pushed into the river. And Anthony is, like, immediately furious and, like, starts blaming Kate. He has to, like, go in and get her, and she's, like, you know, shiver to the bone. Nigel is there just, like, fluttering around, like, head in a completely different, like, alternate timeline. <laughs> yeah, He's like, oh, everything will be chill. I just need to fix my curacle. And Anthony is like, do you know how to fix a curacle? And Nigel is like – it got me there, Lord Bridgerton. <laughs> so Anthony basically – he like borrows a curacle from some one of his buddies and basically just ditches Kate and Nigel and is like, I'll send someone back for you guys, but I'm taking Edwina. And yeah. Kate well, is like Well, because to be fair, Edwina's like soaking wet and like shivering and also he – Anthony thinks that um, Kate did it on purpose. He like blames her for doing oh, it yeah, because Anthony still yes. at this point believes that like – Kate, he's like, there's no way Kate isn't jealous. Of That's Edwina. what I'm saying. This is instance number two of Anthony. Just like for some <laughs> reason, Anthony's like, oh, I'm so devoted to my siblings. I like wouldn't want, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want anything but the best for them. I love them so much. But it's inconceivable that Kate, for all her wit and intelligence, was not at least a little jealous of her sister. Yeah. Anthony. I get it. Here's my thing. Here's the way I see it is that that is all part of Anthony's like needing to unlearn all these like super sexist views about women because he's like oh well there's no way that these women who whose only purpose is to compete for husbands could not be rivals like there's no way they can have the healthy relationship that I have with my siblings and I think that's something he has to unlearn and he does unlearn it like he's eventually like oh yeah Kate really loves her sister and like I don't know why I ever thought that she didn't 
it's just his because at this point he just thinks Kate's trying to like just trying to sabotage Edwina's marriage prospects yeah I don't know while he's accusing Kate though Kate is like hey Newton shake (laughs) and then Newton just like wiggles his little corgi butt and like gets Anthony soaking wet and Anthony's like are you kidding me and Kate is like (laughs) (laughs) there's a few things I didn't mention before um when they're like walking for some reason Kate's like I forget why, but she has an image of being stranded on a, on a desert island with Anthony, and she's like, "Oh yeah, he like wouldn't have a shirt on, and he'd be like super oh. tan." He's she's like, "Why am I like? Why do I feel all hot and bothered? Am I um, attracted to this? No, because he's yeah. like, oh yeah, I like the sun too. Like I wish I didn't have to wear my hat." And she's like, immediately, of course, that means oh, I must picture yeah. him naked. <laughs> yep. Also, Kate has like trouble running in her skirts instead of britches when they're going to catch Newton. And once again, back to the uh, women's beauty standards, making it difficult to like be physically – yeah, whatever. Which, to be fair to Regency dress, if any dress from like the 19th century would be easiest to run in, it would probably be Regency era because they're just like – the bottoms are just like loose and flowy. But Kate specifically is like, I can't hitch it up like above my ankles and so that's why I can't run. So if it weren't for modesty – (laughs) I also wouldn't have thought that a corgi would be capable of pulling her as much as Newton does until I recently learned that they were herding dogs. Did you know that? I feel like I did vaguely. I definitely told someone that recently when I saw a corgi. I can't remember who though. Maybe it was mom or seven. But yeah, they're fucking herding dogs. Like they're – They'll bite your ankles. They'll they'll yank you if you're a sheep or human. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they all go home. Okay. They all go home. And we sick, sick because <laughs> as we all know, Regency heroines cannot get wet without falling deathly ill. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're not allowed. Edwina and Kate like here and like always have a very like Jane and Elizabeth dynamic if like J- uh, Elizabeth was older because A, Edwina gets sick <laughs> and is a super hot one. <laughs> B, they're just like talking about like – like Kate is like – yeah, you don't want Anthony. Like, stay away from him. He, like, won't treat you right. He'll, like, be cheating on you or whatever. Oh, she's like, rakes do not make good husbands no matter what anyone says. And Edwina's like, like, oh, because you would know because you've been married. And Kate just has to, like, backpedal and, like – Kate's just, like, very sure in her opinions. And Edwina's yeah. like, what? why are you, like, constantly thinking that everyone is so, like – bad yeah well kate i mean edwina is definitely not as like naive and like nice as jane like edwina definitely sees through people's bullshit a lot easier but it's also like at this moment when edwina kate is like no absolutely not we're rejecting anthony and edwina like questions her and like has a little bit of a backbone kate is like shook she's like yeah what the fuck (laughs) like you didn't just immediately take my word as bible like what is going on and edwina's like listen bro I have to marry rich. I know you guys keep saying that I don't have to marry rich and that, like, if I don't like anyone, we can all just go back to the country and it'll be fine. But, like, I recognize that I'm hot and we're poor, so I need to marry rich. And this very rich, very hot man is coming after me, so I feel like I can't discount him. And I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." I mean, that's fair, Edwina. I get it. And this is where we get Kate pulling in Anthony a little bit because – I guess I'm going to jump the gun on this, but like at one point she's like, he's like, oh, like you're strong or something. And she's like, yeah, well, I've always had to be strong. Um, like I've always had to be strong for myself and Edwina. Like Edwina's strong too, but she's only ever had to be strong for herself. And then later Edwina's like, yeah, after they get together, Edwina's like, yeah, I'm so relieved that like it was such a, a burden, like a weight on me to have to basically like provide for this whole family. 
Edwina doesn't explicitly say that, but Kate does realize she was like, oh, Edwina was feeling the pressure a lot more than we thought she was. But Kate, during this conversation with Edwina, Kate does like realize that she's painted herself a little bit into a corner by like putting herself in this mother hen role as Edwina. Because Edwina kind of calls her out. She's like, you're supposed to be searching for a husband too. This is supposed to be your season too. And all you're doing is like fielding bachelors for me. And Kate is like, oh, like she just sort of has this like, not really a brain brain blast, like a brain pop where she like realizes that she has like been limiting herself in the way mm-hmm. that she like sees she's like automatically counted herself out without even like giving herself a chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, but she's still against Lord Bridgerton and she's like do not marry him and Edwina's like she's like he's such a dick. Like he's such a dick to me. And Edwina's like, "Oh my god. Like like did he kiss you? Like you said he wasn't on his best behavior." And I just like really love like Edwina just like coming in for the hot goss. She's like, "Oh, oh my yeah. god. Like what happened?" <laughs> like Edwina yeah. just like sitting there she's, like sh- with her 17 magazine like tucked under her knee and like her like cup of hot milk and she's like, "Give me all the give me all the tea." <laughs> yep, <laughs> for sure. So Edwina's like too sick to go out, but <clears throat> the Sheffields have been invited to Bridgerton House for like a professional singer is going to come. And Mary, yeah, and Kate's like, there's no reason to go if Edwina can't go. Like, that's the only reason they invited us. And Mary's like, no, we're going. Like, get in the fucking car. Um, and so they show up, and Kate immediately notices that Anthony is chatting up the the like famous, beautiful opera singer who's supposed to perform, and she just like can't stop staring at him. And Mary's like, stop looking at him. I'm sure he wants nothing to do with you after that fiasco in Hyde Park. I'm like, that's a little harsh, Mary. Like, yeah. all right. Meanwhile, also when Kate gets to the house, she's like, oh, I'm too awed and by the size and grace of the stone building to make an intelligent comment, which is like very pride and prejudice. Meanwhile, Anthony is ruminating on the dream he had last night. <laughs> Sexy dream. About hey. Kate. Kate. <laughs> and I love the description. He's like, it was a sex dream. Like, I didn't know who it was, but I was like, I was feeling it. And then I like saw her face and I was like, no. And then he wakes up and does the classic conjugating Latin verbs to distract himself. Yeah. And he's like checking the bed. He's like, did I come? Oh my God. Oh my it's going to be so embarrassing if I came. <laughs> so now it's the night of the musical and he's like brooding and watching out his front window, watching all the guests arrive. And he sees Kate and she like tips her face up to look at Bridgerton House. And this is like the second but not last time that he's like for some reason like really – it's like it's very like the rain scene in Twilight. He's like, oh, she doesn't wear makeup. <laughs> yeah. He's like, God damn. She's really fucking hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no. When he sees her, he literally almost fucking like passes out so just drops his drink. He like is holding like a drink in his hand. He's like, I had to put it down so that I didn't <laughs> drop it. Like when he sees her, <laughs> I'm like, and yet you're sitting here being like, there's no way that I am attracted to Kate. Like I of the higher mind. Like, oh, absolutely not. And I'm like, honey, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's after the musical and she's like watching with an opera singer. And in his head, he's like – Okay, the best way. So I used he the the big twist here is that he used to hook up with this opera singer, and he's like, "All right, the best way to get her out of my head is just to like not, nothing. If, if if hooking up with Miss Opera Singer Lady doesn't work, nothing will." And the opera singer, by the way, looks like Kate. <laughs> She's brown hair and brown eyes. Like, the description <laughs> is like very similar. I'm like yeah. Anthony has a type. <laughs> yep. 
And so he's like plotting that, right? And Kate's like, I just need some air. Like I'm sick of being around all these people. She just met Violet Bridgerton, which is Anthony's mom. And she thinks that she is like scheming with Mary to like set up Edwina and Anthony. And she's like, I've had enough of this. No one's going to miss me. She also, Violet also invites them to her house party in the country at this point. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she goes out and sits into the hallway by herself when who does she like hear around the corner but Anthony and the opera singer? And she's like, fuck, this will be so embarrassing. He's going to come out here and think that I'm like such a loser, even though I'm out here by choice. Um, So she just like runs in the first door she finds and she's like, oh, this is a nice study, nice desk. She hears the door knob a rattling and she's like, (laughs) oh, shit. (laughs) She runs to hide under the desk. Yep. And <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Anthony comes in and he's like, he's like, you know, sniffing the room and he thinks he's going crazy because he smells like Kate. Because before he like commented that she smells like very, she's like, she smells like soap and flowers or something. And lilies. Yeah. And lilies. And she's, he's like, oh my God, I came in here to get her out of my head, but like I'm now I'm hallucinating scents. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he, so here's my thing about – so he's, like, going in there to hook up with – in the book, she's Maria Russo. In the show, it's Sienna Russo, and she has, like, much more of, like, a presence in the first mm-hmm. season. And I think, like, the first time I read it, like, I'm not sure whether it was just because the first time I read this, I hadn't read that much historical romance, like, romance, or whether, like, the show just, like, scarred me by, like, making Anthony and Sienna have, like, such a, like – more intense relationship but I just like was a lot less tolerant of Anthony wanting to hook up with anyone at this point I was like get the fuck get her out of here absolutely not stop this like you are not allowed to talk to other women what are you doing and and also just feels like a little bit out of character because like his character is that he's like super loyal you know what I mean? Like he's super loyal to his family. He's super he's like very much like ride or die for the people that he cares about Mm -hmm. and I'm like I just feel like it's a little shit that you're like telling the opera singer Maria in the book. He's like, well, like maybe we can start up like a long term. Like she's like, I'm only looking for a partner if it's going to be long term. And he's like, yeah, well, so. And she's like, why are you getting married? And he's like, well, you only don't keep a mistress like if you love your wife. Implying that like there's no way. I mean, we already knew this, that there's no way he's going to love Edwina. And also explicitly like Kate has now explicitly heard that he plans on cheating Mm -hmm. on Edwina and I don't know whether this is just Anthony like talking you know or like like talking out of his ass but like in general I was just like I don't know like Anthony cheating on his wife seems like a little bit out of character yeah no and then he tries to like so I'll I'll say this but he tries to like gaslight Kate when she's like I heard you say that and he's like oh well I only said that that would be the case if I didn't love my wife like who do you yeah. why do you think I wouldn't I'm like all right sir but then like, but he is very much like well sh- it's obvious that she knows that I'm lying you know what I mean like it's very clear that like Kate is like well you don't fucking plan on loving Kate, Athena but, but that's why I was saying at the beginning it. when when Mary was like yeah most men have mistresses that I was like maybe that's just why Kate doesn't make as much of a big deal out of it as like I, I personally think she should because like but, she like, has this mentality no, I I took that as like she believed it like yeah, I don't oh, know. No, I didn't. So Anthony like walks over behind the desk and like sniffing. Sees her. He's like, yeah. What is that? <laughs> He's like, like the telltale heart, but with a sound. With a yeah. <laughs> he's pouring a drink and he's like, why is it stronger by the desk? And then he like, Kate's like crouched under the desk and she's like, don't look down, don't look down, look down. And then he turns and he like follows his nose down and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> 
And then he like tries to stomp on her hand or something, and she like grabs his ankle and like digs into it. And no, Maria's no, no. like, she, "Is there an animal she, like, back there?" <laughs> grabs her ankle first, and then he like, no, no, he like aims a kick at her, and then or like she like she hits him. She's the first to initiate violence, mm-hmm. and then he like stomps on her hand, and she like makes a noise, and then Maria's like, "Is there an animal? Like a, a dog?" And Anthony's yeah. like. And then he's like, you know, I'm not mean enough to call Kate a dog <laughs> while she can hear me. So I'm just going to tell Maria she needs to leave. And meanwhile, Kate is like either biting or like putting her nails into his yeah. ankle. And then he's like, I'm not sure like what is in my ankle, but like something is right now. And I just, this is the first instance of like violence is foreplay for them. It's like very like, that's like their whole thing is like. <laughs> Just like physical violence, as yeah. Which is why I'm like again a missed opportunity for kink. Missed Definitely. opportunity for yeah, kink. Yeah, a lot of those. I choose to believe that they're very kinky. Yeah. So Anthony is like, "Oh, Maria, sorry. Like, can we get a rain check on this?" And she's like, "Yeah, I guess," and leaves. And Kate comes out of the desk. He comes out of the desk. Anthony's like, why the fuck are you in my office? Kate's like, I swear to fucking God, like, this was a total accident. Um, and Anthony is now, like, he's he has the rake urge to intimidate a virgin with his sexual prowess. <laughs> and I really enjoy this trope because this trope always ends with the intention is to intimidate. And then, like, you get switched around and suddenly <laughs> you're, like, overwhelmed. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm kissing her. Like, I can't. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I really yeah. love the whole, like, the rake is like, oh, I'm a big, strong man. And then he gets, like, one inch too close to the, like, heroin. And he's like, fuck. Like, I'm just <laughs> now worrying in quite a worried way if I might have made an error. <laughs> and that's Anthony. He gets close. He sniffs. He, like, smells her. He, like, sees her. And he's like, fuck and he just kisses her and it's a hot kiss but i also kind of wanted kate to like knee him in the balls yeah uh, and she doesn't <laughs> but i was like i was like i feel like that really would have fit in this scene yeah for sure and then kate's like why'd you do that and anthony's like don't worry i'm still gonna marry your sister and she's like you like whatever that's when we get the her being like but you said you were gonna like still keep your mistress and he's like no nah, i only said that if i didn't love my wife like okay Um, And then she tries to leave, but the door is locked because he locked it when he came in. And she's like, can I have the key? And he like throws it to her, but like intentionally makes it so it like hits the ground. And I guess to his credit, he's immediately like, oh, I feel really bad about that. I want to like get on my hands and knees and pick it up and give it to her. But he doesn't. So it's kind of like shitty. So she has to like pick it up. Yeah, I don't know. I do like that, that moment for Anthony. And also right before that, he like, so Kate is like, you have no honor. And Anthony is like, if I were – if you were a man, I'd call you out on that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. At this moment, you definitely don't have any honor. You are definitely no. not acting – like Prince Zuko would be ashamed of you. It's That's straight, how little honor you have. It's straight out of the Jake Gyllenhaal playbook at this yeah. point. Yeah. No, it's like, not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's part of Anthony's journey is having to sort of unlearn all these like really like toxic behaviors that he has. Mm-hmm. And he realizes at the moment Kate looks at him and he realizes that like she doesn't respect him at all. She's like, he, she doesn't just dislike me. She just like – she thinks I'm like worthless. Mm-hmm. And he like immediately – he's like – why does that make me feel really bad? <laughs> like, <laughs> what I want her to respect me. Like, what are these feelings? I don't, <laughs> like, I don't understand what's going yeah. on. <laughs> so, so she leaves. She goes home. She doesn't tell Edwina about the kiss. Yeah. 
or the cheat. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know. Like, why? I guess because he like gaslit her into being like, oh, I only did that. He uses to, like, kind mess of like, with you. like, I don't know. No, but he uses kind of like purity culture shame on her because he's like, you kissed oh, yeah. me back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Which yeah. is like, I mean, she did technically kiss him back, but it's still like, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. He initiated it and it should be irrelevant. Yeah. Like, yeah, does she feel guilty? Yeah, I don't know. Like, she's just like, Edwina, that like the day before was like, did he kiss you? And like, didn't seem as if she'd be mad, you know? So like, it, it wouldn't be that big of a betrayal. If Kate admits to Edwina and Mary that he kissed her, like, they have to get married. You know what I mean? Not to like, it, yeah. But I feel like Mary would, like, would very much – would be like, okay, go to Violet and be like, listen, Anthony, like, besmirched my daughter's aunt. Like, you need to, like, but need to Edwina, fix this. she could tell Edwina without telling Mary. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, like – Yeah, she doesn't tell him. And Anthony is a fucking dick. He sends flowers to Edwina the next day. And in the note, he says, like, the night was dull without you. And Kate, like, recognizes this is a personal slight to her. And I'm like, Anthony, that's below the belt. Like, you, mm-hmm. Anthony, bad boy. Like, I just want to squirt him with some water. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. They're rolling on over to Kent for the mm-hmm. Bridgerton house party at yep. Aubrey Hall. Mm-hmm. And Kate and Weena and Mary roll up, and Kate's like, wow, it's a really nice house. Like, super into this house. Very, like, pride and prejudice moment. Yeah. <laughs> She's yep. like, ooh, Pemberley. I might have made an error. <laughs> <laughs> and they get there, they meet Violet. Kate asks Violet if she can, like, go take a walk in her gardens because they're really nice. Um, and everyone else, like, goes take a nap. So she does. Meanwhile, Anthony has been watching the guests arrive. Mm, once and again. he, like, watches once again, watches Kate. He's like realizes that he's been holding his breath, like waiting mm-hmm. for Kate to get out of the carriage, and he's like, "This means nothing." Uh-huh. And then he goes up to his mom. He's like, he likes pretending that he's like talking about Edwina, but like Violet like sees right through that. She's like, he's definitely fucking like checking in on Kate and like whether she's arrived. And then Violet's like, "Oh, you want to go for a walk? Why don't you go into the gardens?" Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and like mm-hmm. that's where Kate's walking. And I also I do like that Kate and Anthony, it's like very reinforced during this part that Kate and Anthony are like country kids and they both like being like in farmland and like being out in mm-hmm. nature and like hiking and walking around. Um, yeah, because the Bridgertons like stopped spending as much time at the house after the dad died because yeah. it like reminded them. Yeah. So Anthony is like, I forget why, but he also goes for a walk. Well, he's like, I think I'm going to take a walk so I don't have to, like, accidentally meet one of the guests. And Violet yeah. is like, why don't you take a walk in the garden? The flowers are really nice. Like, the gardener's done a really good job right now. It's like, yeah, we get, like, you a- know, no reason. Just go out. Yeah. It's pretty. Because we get, like, a blip in Violet's head where she's like, oh, he's definitely, like, interested in the Sheffields. He was asking me about them. If only I could figure out which Sheffield. Which is <laughs> nice of her to not imme- immediately assume it's Edwina. <laughs> Like, well, because Violet's MO, like, she genuinely like, – she just wants her her sons married. Like, she really mm-hmm. does not care to whom or, like, how hot they are. Like, she just wants them – she just wants them down the aisle. She's busy working on her 64 grandkids. They each have the yeah. same productivity as her and Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> so Kate – like, Anthony and Kate meet in the garden. And Kate is like, what are you stalking me? And Anthony's like, what are you stalking me? And this whole time I'm just waiting for Anthony to fucking apologize and then yeah. he eventually does apologize for, like, being a dick. And then Kate's like, you're apologizing for the kiss. And Anthony in his head is like, no, I wasn't apologizing for the kiss. But, like, I guess also the kiss. I should apologize for that as well. He's mostly apologizing for just being a dick. And I'm like, 
I accept your apology, but like I kind of want him to grovel a little bit more. But then I also thought like, would Kate respect him if he did grovel? Like if he was someone who was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Because Kate at the beginning, Edwina is like, they say that Anthony is the first man that Kate can't manage because she's like been managing all of Edwina's bows Mm -hmm. and like all of her suitors and stuff and like she really like she's she's better than them she's smarter than them she's more strong-willed than them like she can easily like bend them to her will and Anthony is like the first person who like actually presents a challenge and so I feel like that's like she wouldn't yeah I don't think she would like necessarily respect him if he was like oh my god I'm so sorry you know what I mean like he apologizes but like I don't think Kate would want Gra- – I think she's like, no, I need someone who will challenge me the same way that, like, Anthony needs someone who will challenge him. And I think it's – Anthony and Kate very much have the same – they're, like, two elements that, like, go into, I think, their, like, core personality slash trauma. And, like, one is the idea that they think they're, like, better than everyone and, like <laughs> – And I mean, they are to an extent. And then the other is like that they feel like responsible for their siblings and their family. And they both experience that. But I think in Anthony's case, his primary thing of those two is the like he thinks he's better than the one. He's like, I'm the Viscount. I'm privileged. I'm like, whatever. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And Kate's more of the like, I have to like always sacrifice my needs for my family. And so they both need each other. That like strong willed aspect. Like they both Mm -hmm. need that part of the other person anthony needs someone who's gonna like knock his ego down a peg and like challenge him and like actually like you know make him think critically about like his actions and like all that stuff and like that's Mm -hmm. what kate does for him but kate needs someone who's going to like not just convince her to take down her walls like someone who's just like constantly taking like a sledgehammer like Mm -hmm. the metaphorical cast iron frying pan who's just going to consistently like take that to her walls like every time she keeps trying to build him back up he's just going to be like nope take care of yourself bitch you deserve happiness like you deserve to prioritize yourself Mm -hmm. and like they both do that for each other and so that's why i don't think this relationship would work if either of them were ever like the groveling type, even though I love a good grovel. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't think they'd, I, they'd be able to respect each other. Yeah. I think the apologizing for the kiss, though, is also supposed to be the classic, like, he didn't mean to apologize for that, but like the other person, like, kind of, is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it happens a lot. It's like they're no, apologizing. No. Yeah. No, but he's also, he also explicitly is like, I'm apo- I'm also apologizing for like how I act, for like what I said. That's like, not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I mean, he apologizes. He doesn't mean the kiss. She said, you're apologizing for the kiss. She doesn't want him to be apologizing for the kiss. Yeah. He hears that and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess. Like, you know, and she's like, of course he wouldn't want to kiss a, quote, aging spinster. Like, I don't understand how how did that ever happen, this like gaslighting, when women generally live longer than men? Well, like, maybe not at this time when they constantly died in childbirth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was still like – that like evened it out, you know? Like men had the traumatic accidents at age like 20. Women oh, had the yeah. childbirth. So like what? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just – yeah, I don't know. Just my point is like I don't think either of them would respect the other person if they were like the groveling sort. Maybe. If they yeah. didn't have like backbones of iron. Mm-hmm. that like because that's the thing is they're not bending them their backbones they're just they're like melting each other's backbones with like passion <laughs> and like fiery wit <laughs> i guess so i feel like there's some bending but they're yeah like they're bringing the forge up you know mm-hmm. so anthony now feels better about himself because he thinks he's like you know won her over or whatever like 
you know, doesn't feel as much like a scumbag. And he's ready to go win over Edwina because, quote, procrastination was for those who had longer to live, end quote. Because remember, he's going to die. Oh, that's true. He does think he's going <laughs> to die in like less than 10 years. But he's also like on the verge of kissing her. He's like, hang mm. on, like, like that kiss was really good. Like, what if I just – Mm. I don't know like didn't marry Edwina and like married Kate but like right before he's like is gonna kiss her and like he's like and he's basically like I could kiss her now but if I kiss her now like I definitely have to propose he's like one kiss is gonna be excused but like the other kiss like a second kiss like absolutely not but then good old cockblock Colin rolls on up <laughs> and he's like we're gonna play pow mow which is just old timey croquet for those of you that don't know what the fuck pow, pow mow is <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of our own actions. This one, it turns out, is going to be a two-parter. Despite our best intentions, we just had so much fun talking about this book that you're going to tune in and, and listen to us talk about it some more next week. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at We Read It One Night, on Twitter at We Read It Podcast, or email us, We Read It One Night at gmail.com. And if you have any ideas on things that we can do better or things that you think we do really well, feel free to give us a rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Godspeed, comrades. Mm-hmm.